The launch of Shimano R9200 series Dura-Ace and R8100 series Altegra is not simply an effort to make one-time bike setup easier or to unveil new technology for the sake of creating buzz. Instead, it represents a holistic approach that is 100% performance focused. Thousands of engineering decisions and refinements over the course of several years were made with the singular aim of making you faster. This is the science of speed, Shimano's design philosophy for its latest road groups. It is comprised of five elements, a new DI2 platform, a refined interface, the addition of Hyperglide Plus, a category redefining brake system, and a collection of new wheels. The result is a clean, wireless cockpit, faster shifting, enhanced brake control, and quicker, more stable wheels. Top that with an easy-to-use eTube Project smartphone app, and connecting with your bike and enjoying the ride has never been better. This is the science of speed, and it's what sets Shimano apart. Hello, everyone. Ben Delaney coming to you here from Mechelen, Belgium, in the heart of Flanders for the Road World Championships. I am joining the talented Sive O'Shea, who's Hello. give and Andrew Hood. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you guys. It's been quite some time. This is my first time back in Europe for going on nearly two years now, and I'm excited to watch some bicycle racing. Yeah, I think the last time I saw you, Ben, was at the Classics, right? Two, a couple of years ago, we had that flat in Flanders. Yes, that was good living. I'm so excited to be back here. We've got the, some Belgian beers on the table and digging into the, the good stuff here. So let's let's dig into some other good stuff and talk about the world's. We are in the midst of worlds, so let's talk on the, the time trials, uh, the new relay format, relatively new relay format, and then I want to hear your prognostications looking into the future in Sive's crystal ball, Andrew Hood's tarot cards of the future as to what the, the, uh, the road race futures hold, and then I also want to talk about a new world championship on the horizon, the Gravel Worlds. Some po- folks would say, well, Gravel Worlds has existed for 12 years now, but there's a, a new UCI Gravel Worlds on the horizon, so we're going to talk about all those things. And one thing, just a fair warning, we are in a hotel lobby, so if you hear clanging and banging, that's just part of the part of the the, uh, the local the local color we're auditorially bringing to you, dear listener. So, Sai, you have been covering professional road racing for years and years and just bring us up to speed on what it what it's felt like here at the world's this year for the for the time trials the world has been closed for some time it seems to be opening up people it was just announced what two weeks before the races started that crowds would be allowed yeah yeah well first of all you're making me sound super old right now (laughs) um but (laughs) yes uh, hoodie and i would be the old ones here yeah like i'm trying to cling on to my youth as long as i can um actually for uh, this is the first time that i've been out into to mainland europe now for well over a year um and it's honestly the crowds here have been incredible like the we've seen them in the tv pictures the the noise in bruges the banging on the the boards like it kind of feels like kind of feels like bike racing is back um you know we've had it on our television it's been great to to watch but actually being in kind of cycling heartland and and having the belgian crowds around just screaming shouting like it's yeah it's the best feeling i think i don't think there could have been a, a better place to kind of host the first 
I wouldn't, I, you couldn't say post-corona world, but like yes. the first kind of real world where we can have, have crowds. I don't think there could have been a better place to host it. First worlds, not behind closed doors. Precisely, yeah. yeah the first out in the open world championships. Um, and like, you know, I think the, the time trial was just a taste of what we're going to have. You know, in the next few days with the, the road races, I think it's going to be pandemonium, which is great. That's what we like Belgium for. Absolutely. Yeah, Andy, I enjoyed a, a piece of yours talking about all you know, recent worlds and some being more memorable than others and, and the uh, Doha worlds being relatively forgettable. And then you were there for that one. It was like, you remember the, you know, the last 10 seconds of the sprint, but otherwise it was fairly forgettable. I, I, you know, I think we all appreciate the UCI moving the worlds from place to place. So it's not one country, not just Benelux hogging it. You know, it's good to move around. But at the same time, I'm I'm with you, Sive, that that this is the heart of bike racing, and I couldn't be happier to be here. Yeah, we were actually um, four days in Bruges with for the time trial races, and I was impressed with even the crowds for the junior time trial. I uh, went out to near the finish line and just – checked out the scene and it was just as credit for the juniors as it was for the women or the pro men. And, uh, now we moved to Mechelen, which is about 20 Ks North of, uh, Leuven where the finish line is going to be for, for the, uh, longer road races Right, The road races start up in Antwerp and it's going to be, uh, you know, it's not quite Flanders type bergs or these steep climbs. Uh, it's more Brabantse peel type terrain. I mean, we've, um, Talk to some people that have been on the circuit, and they say the, 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 the climbs there are short and steep, very steep, but not very long. But it will have a very Flandered-type flavor to these worlds, and, and I agree with Saib. It's going to be absolutely chaos, I think, uh, on Saturday and Sunday for the big road races. And they've already got the fencing up here because the road course goes through Mecca and where we are, and it goes past our hotels. And uh, the, the fencing's already up, and, well, the racing starts tomorrow with the juniors. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the, the worlds, you know, they do change. That's part of the allure, I think, of the worlds that make it an interesting event. Um, but, you know, some years it, the venues just don't really, they're not really in these places that are exciting for bike racing. You know, it's like Doha or these other places they've been. So last one was in uh, Yorkshire, big crowds there. Last year they had to improvise in Imola. And then this year uh, right in the heart of Flanders. So it's going to be big, big, big crowds on the weekend. Absolutely. Before we look ahead, let's look back briefly. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, your what we were surprised by and what was sort of confirmation as far as performances in the time trial. A lot of a lot of Belgian and Dutch flags up there on the podium. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's anything that I've been like overly surprised by. Perhaps um, Marlon Russo not taking the the women's time trial was probably the biggest upset of them all. Um, in the uh, under 23, or sorry, no, the junior men's time trial as well. There was, I wouldn't call it an upset, but there was certainly some consternation among the Belgians because they thought maybe they might be um, getting a gold medal because they, they'd won it in the, the European Championships a few months ago, or sorry, just a month ago even. Um, time flies. And uh, <laughs> the, yeah, so they really thought that they were, they were kind of on for this junior gold medal. And, all of a sudden, the Danes and the Brits who hadn't been at the European Championships 
kind of came out of nowhere and and took things and yeah we had a another danish winner um the danes have been going incredibly well um so that was a little bit of a tiny bit of an upset and like i say marlon russo not not winning that um women's time trial but ellen van dyke's been on incredible form lately um so it wasn't a real surprise to kind of see her up there and kind of in the mix uh, yeah it's it's just been it's been a great kind of few days of racing um yeah it's been fantastic and f- for the men's time trial ghana not a big surprise there but uh, can we talk about wout for a minute and, and how many second places at the most prestigious races is this in the last 12 months it's at least f- what 15 16 second places <laughs> and and, yeah. and he, th- he is quite the gracious gentleman and is not a poor sport about it at all but yeah i mean wow it's he, surprising he, he is he is a very gracious uh second place it, it's something these i think he's getting quite tired of to be honest he can he was not happy about what happened uh on sunday because uh it was a perfect course for him also, perfect course course for Ghana. So everyone knew it was going to be really between those two. You know, it was just flat, straight, nothing technical. The wind wasn't really a factor, and uh, everyone thought that Wout well, was going to do it and you know, deliver gold on the first day for the Belgians. And Ghana nipped him. I think it was what ten seconds, Very eight close. seconds. Yes. And yeah, you're right. It's just I think it's this fourth time second place in a major race with the Olympics, and then last year he was at the Worlds twice. He was second. Yes. And, there were, you know, there was some hype here that he was going to do the double, right? That he's going to be able to win the rainbow jersey in both the time trial and the road race. And so, you know, really all the pressure's on him going into the road race. I mean, the Belgians are going to have, you know, be the favorite team to win on Sunday. And so you have to wonder how that's going to affect Wout psychologically. You know, that it, you know does, does the – it does you know, it affects people in different ways. He, he always takes it really – kind of graciously and calmly with a lot of sportsmanship. At least it's outwardly. Gotta be, it's got to be gradient and inside, right? Absolutely. So is that going to make him angrier, make him more nervous? Will he panic? You know, will he, you know, doesn't want to finish second again, so will he do something different? So I think it's going to be a really interesting twist to what happens in the road race. Absolutely. One thing I find fascinating is watching these, you know, the best athletes in the world battling out in the same format uh, on, in one-day events versus Grand Tours. So, for instance, you know, Ghana and Wout both ride often for their team leaders in Grand Tours and can still come out and just crush it in the time trial of a, you know, Vuelta or a Tour. You know, like Wout was exceptional this year, winning a time trial after working his face off and, oh, winning a double Vaughn 2 climbing stage. Um, but that is still must be a slightly different performance than when you can rest up to peak just for just for one day and that's what makes the 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 crystal ball gazing so fun is that the the history is some indication but not a guarantee of what will happen going forward yeah i know it's interesting because um with wild at the tour he won he won stages in all three of the kind of disciplines he won a sprint stage a mountain stage and and a time trial stage And we were asking Ghana the other day because, remember, at the Olympics, he was really focused on the team pursuit. And, yes. and they, you know, they, they, the Italians did well there. And he said that, in fact, his program going to Tokyo this year was really just going to be on the track. And because he had such good success in the time trial that he decided to add the time trial to the Olympic program, 
but I think he was fifth in the Olympics. So he came into this. He said really basically it was the team pursuit and the world title here in Flanders were his top two goals. So he was very happy, and I think that uh, – there is a big difference. I was trying to ask if you guys, you know, what's more, what's more prestigious to win the, the Olympics uh, or Worlds? Well, I wasn't asking, you know, what's, what's bigger to win the uh, time trial, world title time trial, or win the time trial at uh, the Tour de France? Because that's when all the riders are at their peak. Mm. But like you said, it's a very different kind of race, racing during a stage race. You know, Pogacar, you know, just kicked everyone's butt at the Tour de France time trial, beat all the guys that were beating him here. And then and he, was, he what, just 10, basically 11? said, well, I was, my peak was at the Tour. Mm. I'm just racing this for fun because I'm Pogacar. Speaking of a very different type of race, let's talk about the relay time trial. I have to admit, I was just literally coming out of the woods here the last few days, so I'm still fuzzy on some of the details, particularly how the handoff was done. It's not like there's a baton like a running race, but there's... there's <laughs> There's three women, three men. The men go first. Yep. And similar to a team time trial format, you, you have to finish with two of the three yeah. riders. Well, you, it's not, you can. You can. I should say it's, it's okay. You're you can, allowed you can to drop, drop. You can drop a rider. A rider yeah, yeah. You don't yes. have to finish with every single every single one of your riders. Um, this is yeah. This is only the second time that it's been at the World Championships. It was debuted at the um, European Championships back in 2019. 2019 then yep. it was the Yorkshire Worlds, which I believe, did did Germany win? No, I can't remember. The Dutch won. Yeah, sorry, the Ger- Germans finished second. So that actually, it was it was a face-off between the, the Germans and the Dutch this time around. The Italians, although, went in the, the overall favourites because they smashed... The, uh, the European Championships, they just destroyed everybody. Um, but I don't think the Germans had Tony Martin at the, the European Championships. And the, um, the Dutch had a very, very different team coming into the world. So it was, you know, there were, there were some changes that made it kind of just a little bit unknown. But yeah, the, the kind of the main kind of aim of this is, yeah, the, the men go out first, they, they complete their their lap it was a bit different here at the worlds it wasn't so much like they didn't do the same laps it was different parkour slightly for for each of the the two groups mm. and the, the handover at the the european championships was a just a dude with a flag which All kind right. of was a little bit underwhelming uh, yes. i have to say like it just doesn't really it kind of doesn't fit like a major sporting event to just have uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like a run yeah. military jet flyover or something yeah um here they had a light system but obviously, because you can't really predict precisely when the team's gonna, like the men are gonna cross the the finish line yes. to start the to allow the women to start. It's, it's not like our normal traffic light system where, you know, we have this you know amber in the middle. You know, you to to get yourself ready, it just goes bang, green. You gotta go. And so I, there was a few of the the riders in there. A few of the women were talking about how you know it would be nice that if there was some sort of system so that they could get themselves a little bit more ready and it wasn't just suddenly like oh oh god we've got to go um but it's i think it's it's a an interesting format i kind of enjoy it i like the you know the the jeopardy almost you know you get one team one side of the team that comes out like real hot and then the finishers maybe don't do it or the other way around which is actually what we saw um on Wednesday, where a few of the teams came out real, real strong, and then couldn't quite finish it, 
and then a few of the teams like the Swiss and the Germans and the Dutch, they they came out pretty good in the in the first heat, but not quite up there at the top. And then the when the women came out, like they, you know, the, particularly the German women, um, you know, they're the team pursuit world record holders. Um, you know, a slightly different discipline, but they kind of they've got that intensity down, which is what you kind of need for this discipline. It was interesting speaking to Alex Dowsett yesterday. He said that it's not really like a team time trial because you've got so few riders. You know, in a normal team time trial, you've got anywhere between kind of six and eight riders these days. Uh, it used to be up to nine, obviously, with the, the Grand Tours. Um, you know, and so if you lose one or two riders, that's like a small portion of your team. Whereas if you lose one rider, well, you can't, first of all, you can't lose any more. That's it. You know, you, if, if your second rider starts dropping back, you got to wait for that or man flat or that woman. Yeah, like so you're parked by the side of the road. Yeah, yeah, you got to you got to wait for them. Um, but also, then it just becomes a two-up time trial, and that's that stuff's hard. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I read and enjoyed your piece on, you know, is is this a good format? And you know, saw many writers' comments on social media, but you know, in in speaking to writers, what. Hoodie, what did what did you hear writers saying, and, and what is your take? Is is this a cool thing? Is this a gimmicky thing? What's what's the future of the the relay? Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, so I've had some great reactions from writers, and it seemed like everybody came away from this uh, pretty enthusiastic. Um, just you know, the writers that are out there participating. I mean, they all seem to really get into it. Um, just personally watching it, I thought it was pretty cool as well. But the wrinkle I was going to add was that um, you know. In a lot of ways, this is kind of a, a test event for perhaps a uh, Olympic venue or Olympic uh, designation. The big kind of talk is that that uh, mixed sports might become an Olympic discipline in the future uh, for certain sports. That's why La Partente and the UCI were really pushing this, you know, already two years ago, 2018. David La Partente being UCI president. That's correct, and he uh, will be reelected without opponents. For another four-year term during this uh, this the week, dictatorship, uh, president of the <laughs> yeah, UCI. Yes, just, just kidding, David. Just kidding. We all love David, of course, right? So, um, but this is kind of also uh, pretty smart, really, on the UCI positioning cycling because cycling is really one of the largest sports. Uh, I think it's number four in terms of how many sports are in the Olympics in terms of like medals and how many different kinds of events because we have BMX, track, road, and mountain biking. Uh, with road, with with cycling. So, if there is going to be a mixed sport future in the Olympics, the, the cycling and the UCI really position themselves well. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, and and there are multiple cycling medals, big picture, like you say. But BMX riders and mountain bikers and road cyclists are not one and the same. So, yeah, more opportunities for medals is a, is a good thing for cycling for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, when you, when you look at sports like like swimming um, and athletics, when there's so many different medals the going gymnastics. on, you know, it's it's insane. I mean, there's there's a little bit of crossover between road and track, but you know, they're still pretty different disciplines, and you need you need a, a team that's ready, like a trade team that's ready to give a rider space for that. Um, and so, having potentially having a mix event would be great and it kind of follows this olympic ethos you know i think it's 2024 
is going to be the first time where there's an equal amount of male and female participants. Nice. Um, the UCI kind of made the, a, a big deal about certain changes that they made um, for 2024, but actually um, <laughs> it was a kind of a push from the Olympic, the IOC. They want parity. And so I think that's where this event sort of fed from is that ability to have parity and having, you know, men and women coming together we see in a few sports already in swimming they have a, a mixed um gender event in, in athletics as well they've got a mixed gender event and that's actually they're they're far more interesting because they sort of just add this really different dynamic and you get these um people who don't really compete together doing these events together and it it just adds i think a little extra edge to things and that's what we've seen with this this mixed team time trial and I think every rider I spoke to said, you know, yeah, I'd like this to be an Olympic event. I think it would be pretty cool to be an Olympic event. Yeah, as a, as a spectator of sorts, it was it was fun to see that for sure. Now, speaking about people who aren't typically teammates, the Worlds is unusual that way in that you know, bike racers are racing for trade teams year in, year out, and we, then they come together for just a handful of days and are expected to gel and sacrifice for one rider and we've you know historically we've seen some teams where that works well and some teams where it doesn't work at all what what are your expectations coming into saturday with the women and sunday with the men as far as you know which teams are all in for 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 a single leader and which teams are more uh, open, shall we say? Well, in terms of the women's, the uh, the Dutch are definitely all. They will be all in for one particular leader, but they're definitely all in for one goal. And I think that's one of the things. Apart from the fact that they're obviously incredible bike riders, um, the one of the things that's helped them dominate with such consistency is the fact that they they have this team like nation mentality they often do national um training camps in the middle of the year uh, like you know between trade team training camps and so they actually make sure that the the riders get together throughout the year um and it's you know i think that's one of the things that that helps them um just perform for each other and we've seen over the last they've won the last four world championships with um three different riders um, they come here with four road race world champions and uh, three time trial world champions, one of which was crowned for the second time at the uh, the Worlds here in Flanders. So obviously they're the red-hot favourites in the women's race, but as ever, the Worlds is just this weird, unpredictable race, and I think particularly with the course that we've got, I don't think that you can... You can say, well, you know, it's definitely going to be a Dutch winner. Um, the Italians come here with a really strong leader in Elisa Longa Borghini. Yes. Um, you know, they've got a couple of options if in case it comes down to a sprint. But Longa Borghini is just, she's in incredible form at the moment. She won GP de Plouet, um in, in August. Um, so she's going incredibly well. Um the Americans are going really well at the moment, and they've got they've got several leaders. And the American women, I think in particular, um, they always seem to be able to to work together very well. So they've got multiple options. They've got Karen Rivera, who's both capable in a sprint, but she's a very aggressive rider as well, and she won't be afraid to to really have a go. Leah Thomas is in fantastic form. Um, 
you know, we, we've got um, Lauren Stevens, the US champion. Um, we've got Kirsten Faulkner. You know, and they've all been performing exceptionally well in this latter part of the year. So I think the US women definitely have a chance of a medal. Um, you know, if not even a rainbow jersey, I don't think that's out of the question. Um, yeah, th- I think that particularly the women's race is going to be a very um, unpredictable race. And, you know, we, do, we often go into these races kind of just downbeat and going, oh, well, the Dutch are going to win. Mm. But I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. So you think a sprint finish or a small bunch sprint finish is a possibility? And if so, being in Belgium, w- what are chances of uh, Lara Kopecky being being there at the end. Lotta Kopecky has a very strong chance of being there at the end. She's um she's a great rider. She's like, she's, she's got an inc- incredibly good sprint on her um and she can climb very well. She was unlucky in a few of the classics earlier on in the year. She she had a a mistimed puncture at Flanders earlier in the year which really kind of scuppered her chances of making a podium, but she she won the final stage of the um Ceratizit challenge by La Vuelta in in august and or in september and um what month is it now <laughs> i don't know what day of the week is it no uh yeah no she 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 won the final stage for that and she's in in great form um she was going great guns at the in the mixed team relay she, relay she decided to to skip the time trial giving herself like all the opportunities of really doing something they've also got yolene dora mm who's a great sprinter. She was also in the mixed relay. Um, and they're both incredibly strong riders. Dora is actually retiring at the end of the year. Um, so she's going to want to go out with like a, a great performance. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not the, the big favourites, but they're definitely kind of up there and in the mix. And there's definitely an opportunity that either one of those could win. Absolutely. But not to pigeonhole you as the men's race coverage guy but but what are your picks who are you, who are you calling for the road race on sunday yeah it's interesting how the worlds have, worlds have changed over the last uh, uh half decade or so because back in the day they used to have these big mega world teams that were nine ten even 12 riders uh strong for the men's race and now uh, i think it's down to eight and, and then below going down from there so the so the teams are much smaller than they used to be which kind of adds a little interesting you know, you don't have like the big, you know, back in the day, it was always like the Italians were always the favorites for the men's road race, even when the course might not have had been ideal for them. You know, they would have 10, 12 t- riders on their team or the Spanish, these kind of traditional European teams. And then the story always was how, you know, the, 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 you know, the teams would buy out other teams, you know, back in, back in the day when all these kind of stories would happen where they would buy out riders from smaller nations and say, hey, you know, we'll pay you money help us pull and control this race to let us set up our guy to win the race. That doesn't happen nearly as much as, as it used to, if at all, anymore. So, you know, on paper, of course, you know, you got the Belgians here, really. The question is there, you know, the, the strategy going in is it's all for Wout. Uh, everyone's wondering if someone like Remco might just go rogue and uh, try to race his own race. He, he says he's not going to do that. Uh, but I sure love to see it because it would be a wild story if he did. Everyone's mind would explode here in Flanders if if, if, if Remco just went rogue and started to race his own race. Um, the, the, the Italians, the, the movie star of Belgium, yeah, the movie star of Belgium. And then uh, you know the Italians come with several options. Uh, the French come with a very strong team around Alaphilippe. 
uh, yeah, there's a lot of favorites, but I mean, by far the big favorite really is is the Belgians with uh, with Wout. I mean, they could have fielded two world's teams here because they left guys like Van Avermaet, uh, Nason, you know, Gilbert. All these guys are at home. They had four countries worth of teams. Exactly, and but. they're all Flandering. Well, maybe not Gilbert, but mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, this is this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity for all these guys to to win this gold medal in the rainbow jersey, you know, of this generation. They know this is their chance, so they're going to be riding as a strong team together. And I think they will be riding for a while, but they have to be ready to change in case something happens, a crash or a puncture or bad weather. Who knows? Sure, sure. Yeah. In this region, the Tour of Flanders is talked about as the Super Bowl. It's the biggest race on the calendar, eclipsing everything often sometimes even including the world championships so to have the world championships uh, effectively as a tour de flanders of sorts is yeah all the all the stars are aligned how much importance uh is placed on local knowledge you know you mentioned that the the climbs uh, aren't enormously long but there's lots of them they come thick and fast and the roads are just tight and narrow and winding and it's you know it's not like they're racing on an airport runway where you can move up whenever you like how how critical is it to, to know the rows and you know there's the the motivation of the, the the local riders but how important is the the local knowledge of having grown up racing on these roads yeah that's actually interesting because you know when you look at um the traditional courses for the big classics uh you know flanders Kambagavam, all those e3 Herbeck, all those races <laughs> Those guys know all those roads, but th- those guys being everyone in the peloton, not well, just the, the every, all, every, all the all the all the Dutch, all the all the uh, Flemish riders, all the Belgian riders, oh. and but what's interesting about these worlds is that none of those climbs or roads are actually featured in these two circuits. We have this Leuven circuit and what they call the Flanderen circuit, but um, it's not really climbs and roads that are used like uh, in any of these big traditional spring classic races. So. A little bit of that home uh, knowledge is not really the huge advantage of it over like uh, the climbs and the bergs that everyone knows from the Tour of Flanders, for example. But, I mean, the Belgian guys, they're here and they know the course. But I was asking, you know, some of these guys at the Welta, uh, Seb Van Mark, I was like, you know, what's the course like? He goes, oh, I haven't even looked at it yet. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe he was pulling my leg because I also had offended him. I said, how come you're not doing the, wor- the Worlds this year? <laughs> he goes, oh, what do you know? Because the team hasn't been finalized yet. I go, oh, I didn't see your name on the list. And he goes, well, there's no final list yet. I'm like, okay. So I might have been pulling my leg. But, uh, you know, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the local guys will have an advantage. But uh, it's not, I don't think these roads are as famous as, like, these roads that they race on in Flanders and stuff like that. Yeah, I think there'll, there'll, there'll be some, some advantage to, to having a little bit of local knowledge. Um, I was looking at the route earlier today and I've, a couple of the climbs on the Flandrian circuit are part of Brabant de Pale, which is um, a race that a lot of the peloton don't really ride. A few of the guys do um, do do it in kind of in preparation for the Ardennes Classics. Um, and interestingly, one of the key climbs, um, I'm, I'm not going to try and say it because I can't remember how to say it, but um, it's where... Just say it with confidence for <laughs> the difference. It begins with an M and has a strat in it, um, and that's that's all I can remember. Um, but it's 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 like three hundred meters, but it goes up to like eighteen percent. It's a ridiculous climb, um, like in terms of just that gradient. Like eighteen percent on cobbles is like 
stupid um but it's where um Matthew van der Poel and Julian Alaphilippe attacked um a couple of years ago in mm-hmm. Brabant de Peel mm-hmm. um and so I think having maybe a little bit of knowledge of those climbs and maybe where you might be able to make the most of them and launch an attack might be helpful um just n- knowing how how difficult some of those are um particularly if it gets a bit gnarly and it starts raining which i don't believe it will anymore i've been looking at the weather forecast the last few days Same. kind of praying for rain a little bit Same. a little bit of wind um Same. but it seems you know originally the weather the weather was predicted to kind of close in at the weekend um but as every day i check that rain seems to be being pushed further and further back and now it seems to be arriving on monday which might be a little bit too late for anybody hoping for rain um and i don't think yeah yeah we're we're just gonna get soaked on our day off but i don't think any of the fans are gonna care about that um (laughs) yeah but even if it is dry for for these cobbled bergs knowing where there's little portions of smooth concrete versus really gnarly rocks can make a bit of a difference yeah it's not going to win you the race necessarily but being able to save just a, a little bit of effort here or there yeah uh, i mean I like that can't can't help but help riders yeah who know where to put themselves exactly when yeah if even just for the confidence of like knowing okay i can relax here for just a little while okay and now i've got to move up you know that's that's just has to be an advantage versus having uh, a, you know a director in your ear who you know may or not May or may not be understandable through the earpiece of yeah, you know, who's always like move up, move up, move up, move up, move up. Like, well, they won't. Thanks, they, they, jerk, they, they won't have face. that. They won't have that this weekend, will they? They don't have the the radios at the World <laughs> Championships. They they have them in the time trial, but not for the road races. That's so right. that's right. So will we see a repeat of the the Olympics? Um, I <laughs> will it go, will it go that far. <laughs> I mean, that that's what we're praying for. We're hoping for some kind of big big surprise um i think the dutch have kind of learned a lesson from that um what happened in the women's road race at the olympic games it's a little bit different because the teams are bigger um the olympic games was like just this super weird race it was raced so negatively and i think because you have these tiny tiny teams like you know the dutch had four riders and that was the biggest team you could have and there was lots of really strong like nations who had really strong riders who only had like one or two people yes um and so they they didn't really want to like work on the front um you know the germans were really the only team that that pitched in to help the the dutch and i think we'll see a very different race um this weekend we're not going to see such a negative race i think we'll i to be fair i think we'll see a really really aggressive race i hope so because because the the Dutch come with so many options, you know they've got they've got a climber, they've got two two sprinters. Uh, in fact, no, they've got sorry, they've got th- a billion sprinters. <laughs> they've got a billion climbers, um, you know, because they're they're so versatile. Um, and so the other nations are really going to want to try and break that down and try and isolate the the Dutch over the um, 150 odd kilometers that the race is um and you know ultimately try and not bring any of them to the line because pretty much every single one of them are a threat if you take them to the line i can't wait to watch this race saturday and the race on sunday we've got to take a quick break to go pay the bills and we'll be right back to talk about another world championship (laughs) 
Science of Speed, Shimano's design philosophy for its latest road groups, is comprised of five elements. A new DI2 platform, refined interface, the addition of Hyperglide Plus, a category redefining brake system, and a collection of new wheels. The result is a clean wireless cockpit, faster shifting, enhanced brake control, and quicker, more stable wheels. Top that with an easy-to-use eTube Project smartphone app, and connecting with your bike and enjoying the ride has never been better. Andy Hood, getting the scoop, Dr. Scoop, on the new latest world championships of the UCI Gravel Worlds. You broke the story before anyone else did. First of all, what's the story? And second of all, how did you get it before anyone else? Well, how we got it, we can't tell. <laughs> Good we answer. can't, we Good can't answer. give away our sources, but but it really uh, it was uh, you know it's a story that's been percolating there for really a couple of years, right? Yes. I mean, the UCI saw with envied eyes how big this gravel scene was just go- taking off in the United States and other places in the world, and it was it seemingly inevitable that they would stick their fingers in there and. You know, people were telling me that, you know, they were ready to go last year, but COVID put a break on everything. And uh, so we knew something was cooking, and uh, it, it came out yesterday. They're going to do, like, this racing series, kind of a World Cup of gravel. I don't think it's been called a World Cup, but there'll be, like, a series of races. Yep. And then a UCI-sanctioned uh, World Championship Rainbow Jersey race. And, uh, you know, obviously, Ben, you were on the story yesterday creating a lot of ripples uh, within the gravel community. Uh, people don't want to see rules about sock, hi- sock heights <laughs> and uh, tire widths and all those kinds of things. W- what's been the buzz uh, from your contacts on that? Well, it's been interesting. It's a whole range of reactions. Uh, and that's one of the things I very much enjoy about gravel is, is what a mixed bag it is whether it's you know, the type of people at the start line or the type of bicycles or the different types of events. It's just it's not a stock thing in any in any way. So what were the reactions? It was everything from, you know, the typical vitriol you get on social media where there's people just sitting there with bats waiting for a subject to approach like a pinata that they will clobber uh, to many racers such as uh, both Lawrence, as I like to call them, Lauren Stevens, the uh, U.S. national champion who's here racing road worlds, and Lauren DeCrescenzo, who's been absolutely crushing uh, gravel racing. Both of them saying, awesome, bring it on. We are gravel racers. We like doing gravel racing and, and uh, more opportunities, more formats, and more visibility is a positive thing for the sport. Uh, I spoke to Amanda Nauman, who a, a very talented gravel racer, mountain bike racer, cyclocross racer, uh, and, and also a race promoter, uh, said similar things. And that while she is um, cautious about the UCI getting involved, it, it ultimately came back to the more butts on bikes. That's a phrase we have in the U.S. You know, if, if if things, whether they're races or social initiatives or anything that gets more people riding bikes, that's a good thing. So. Uh, that's 
ultimately where I come down on this. I can certainly appreciate the fear of having UCI come in like the Uber cops and yeah, you, your socks are too high. It's a one millimeter too high. You're disqualified. You know, like these like absurd stereotypes of like a you know, Swiss German, uh, you know, uh, rule driven type. Uh, but really, if if it's more racing, how is that a bad thing? And further, the events that already exist, the 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 the, the queen races, the granddaddy races, like unbound gravel, steamboat gravel, etc. They can continue unabated. It's it's not a one or the the other situation. It's not like the UCI is is taking over gravel racing. They're just going to to add to the mix. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's an important distinction to make because people are comparing it to uh, UCI is going to ruin uh, gravel like they ruin mountain biking. Um, the big difference there, of course, is that mountain biking became an Olympic sport, and that's where the UCI wielded all their power and influence. It's like, okay, you want to race a mountain bike, you have to race in the UCI series to mm-hmm. qualify for the Olympic Games, whereas gravel, at least from what my source is telling me, is never going to be an Olympic sport. So the UCI, I think, is going to be following more what they've been doing with the Grand Fondos, where they have like the little Grand Fondo series. The UCI has their thing, and all the big Grand Fondos that have been going on in Europe have not, have not changed, and, 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 and they're not it, connected to the UCI. They're not connected in any way. So I think that's a big difference that people should be kind of you know calm down about is the sense of yeah maybe the UCI is going to come in with their own series and their own world championships, but they won't have this big batter around that they can bash people's skulls in and saying if you want to be a gravel Olympian you have to race our series and all the other ones are being disqualified that's not going to happen yeah I think it'll be interesting to, to see and I for one am uh, eager to, to go and cover it whoever is there and that's a question I was asking all the, the riders uh, was will you go and do this race uh, and I'll, I'll put it to you this way no one said no no one said no. Mm. A few were like, well, I haven't decided yet. But, but, but yeah, ultimately, like bike racers like to race bikes. And I, uh, you know, Velenews being Velenews, we cover bike racing and we cover the front end of the race. And uh, gravel racing was, you know, many of us call it mullet racing. Business at the front, party at the back. And there's there's a whole spectrum of, of riders from the competers to the completers. And that's, well, yeah, one of the great beauties of the sport is that you've got the world's you know, some of the world's best athletes doing their thing at the front and a lot of us just doing our best and having fun and meeting folks there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm eager to, to, to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's going to change at all in terms of uh, what happens in the middle or the back of the race. And in fact, that's what I think the UCI wants to emulate really with what they've been talking about anyway is they want to create this uh, mass participation events that they want to have across their events and just try to you know, copycat what's being already uh, worked so effectively. Plus, just add that little kind of gem of, uh, you know, the rainbow jersey. And I think, like we said, it's interesting that, that no one said no because, you know, who would not want to be the first rainbow jersey winner of the official UCI-sanctioned world championships? Yeah, because absolutely. we have something else out there already. Absolutely. That's what Lauren Stevens says. says. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm going to be there and line up for my shot at that. And I think, you know, again, that from a – journalist perspective covering that seems intriguing because it's such a different format than like we're here in Belgium for the worlds you have to be legit to take the start <laughs> gravel anybody can show up which is 
fantastic and chaotic. So I, I'm just curious as to how that would work. You know, for instance, how does right now with big races like Steamboat Gravel, which sold out in nine minutes, three thousand spots sold out in nine minutes. How how does that work for a UCI Gravel Worlds? Do you is you know Wout Van Aert going to be sitting there next to Cy O'Shea and Ben Delaney and Andy Hood all just trying to to click the button as fast as we can to get in? Do you have any indication as to? Well, there's a qualifying series. The, 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 the series they're going to do is a qu- as much of qualifying races, so there will be qualifying points to get it into the worlds. Mm. So if anyone wants to get into worlds, they've got to travel around, do it, at least one or a few of these series so it's a, it's a money making scheme I mean that's that's what that's what the UCI is about I don't think you know that, that's the Are reason you that saying <laughs> this is a business and not just here for our, they, our pure entertainment they wouldn't be getting involved in if in it if it was anything other than that but I mean ultimately you know the heart of gravel is the kind of the these big mass participants participation events and you know anybody being able to get involved and you know the UCI isn't going to kibosh like you know other races taking part it's just their series um and you know people are still free to make gravel whatever they want gravel to be um and kind of maintain that kind of minimal rule identity and they you know if they really don't want to bother with what the UCI are doing they don't have to watch it um, you know, the, the, they can still do their own races. Like you, you know, we still have non-UCI sanctioned road races, non-UCI sanctioned mountain bike events. You could still do it, um, you know, and you can make it whatever you want it to be. Um, you know, d- just because it's not sanctioned by the, the UCI or the UCI have got their kind of aura in it. Um, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it ruins the, the, the soul and the heart of what people want gravel racing to be. Just to, to, on top of what you were saying, Ben, about uh, who can race the worlds, if it's a, that my understanding is the worlds will not be a mar- mass participation event. It'll be a, you have to qualify to get into it. So of course, that opens the door. You know, we'll see how the UCI makes its calendar. You know, if it starts making its calendar conflict with some of these established mm-hmm. uh, gravel events, mm-hmm. then it's like Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, do you want do you want to race unbound or do you want to race UCI qualifier number two? in Portugal on the same day. Exactly. And that's how they kind of did it with mountain biking. So if they, I think if they go down that road, they'll lose. I think if they're smart, they'll, they'll just uh, try to make it fit in with what's, what's already happening. Yeah. So that, that will be curious to see is how those jive of UCI cycling for all. We're doing this to get more people involved versus just a straight on competitive qualify by travel and cost and performance. What's the um, what's the vibe, Ben? I'm just kind of curious watching it. You know, I'm over in Europe most of the time. Uh, what what's the is there like any sort of pushback against the kind of encroaching professionalism of the race of the front? I mean, you're seeing uh, you know a lot of the roadies get involved in the gravel. You're seeing you know people taking it perhaps a little more seriously than than uh, you know it's a real race, but I mean it's a, now it's a real race. Um, is there any sort of uh, kind of uh, people resisting that at all in the scene over there? Well, there, there is and there isn't. It's a funny thing because when pros show up, that gives everyone someone – that gives the, the race promoter something to talk about. Um, and while you know it's the 99% of us who make up the bulk of gravel racing business and that really drive the thing and the, what – 
that's what uh, creates the, the livelihood on both sides the, the front of the race is where the action is so it's it's interesting to hear promoters kind of sort of criticize us in the media for co- for focusing too much on the front of the race while at the same time benefiting from the publicity that comes with the likes of you know Lawrence Tim Dam or Lo- the the Lawrence uh, showing up to race so th- there is a lot of uh, talk on both sides but I think ultimately people vote with their participation in the dollars and you know I was asking Kimo Seymour who's a vice president at Lifetime which owns many of the big events Unbound Gravel uh, Tusher and the Crusher and Big Sugar uh, so do you think people will show up and he was like well I don't have a you know my crystal ball is just as good as yours but if they put on a big event yeah I think people people will come so I think that's really what it comes down to is that we can all prognosticate from the sidelines but if the UCI puts on a, a good event just like any other race promoter puts, like, puts on a good event if you build it they will come I know I will be there at least uh, as a journalist but enough about the gravel worlds of the future the road world championships are here right now so be sure to check out all the latest news and analysis coming to you from here on the ground in Belgium from Sive and Andy all throughout the weekend on VeloNews.com. Thanks for listening to the Velo News Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>